T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I want to begin by uh, taking a moment uh, to recognize the more than 160,000 Allied troops who on this day in 1944 landed on the beaches of Normandy. Thousands of Allied soldiers lost their lives and thousands more were wounded during the fight to liberate Europe from Nazi control. We all owe the brave troops who were involved in this critical operation an enormous debt of gratitude for the freedom that we all enjoy today. Last night, the President was truly honored with the Vice President to host a reception and First Lady um, here at the White House to pledge our love, support, and undying gratitude to the Gold Star families who have experienced a similar sacrifice firsthand. The story of every brave man and woman who has paid the ultimate price from the opening battles of our Revolutionary War to the ever-changing battlefields of today is forever a part of our nation's proud history, and I hope everyone takes some time today to recognize the sacrifice that so many have made. Now, uh, with respect to the schedule today, uh, later this afternoon, the President will be hosting uh, House and Senate leaders for a bicameral meeting to discuss his domestic policy agenda, uh, specifically uh, health care and tax reform. And later this evening, he will host a bicameral dinner uh, of Republican members to discuss his recent overseas trip and the foreign policy challenges that he's ready to work with them to tackle. Um, President Trump, as you know, has already signed in 36 individual bills into law, 14 under the Congressional Review Act. He passed uh, the repeal and replace of Obamacare through the House, and the President has embarked on a historic first trip overseas, showing how quickly and decisively he's asking, uh, acting to rebuild America's standing in the world. And we've become the first administration since 1881 to confirm a Supreme Court justice within the first 100 days. Uh, those are all things that I think will probably be discussed uh, with some of these members of Congress today. And now that they're back from Memorial Day recess, uh, it's, we really look forward to carrying on with the agenda. On health care, as Sarah mentioned yesterday, uh, we just don't have time to waste. Obamacare continues to collapse. I mentioned before, a third of the counties have only one provider on Obamacare. The average individual premiums have increased 105 percent on average from 2013 to 2017. And just today, Anthem, the only statewide insurer left in the state of Ohio, announced it will be pulling out of every county's Obamacare exchange, leaving 19,000 Ohioans without any options. The American people have been saddled with the bill for Washington's inability to get this disaster taken care of, and it's simply not right for them to have to pay it any longer. It's time for us to provide them with the choice and control that all Americans want over their own health care. The American people and the American economy have often been suffering under a burdensome, overcomplicated tax system that stifles growth and takes too much money out of the pockets of working families. We're looking forward to working with Congress to change that by dramatically simplifying the system and delivering relief to middle uh, income earners. Tax reform is a critical part of the President's agenda and his team is working with a wide range of stakeholders from legislators to business leaders to longtime uh, tax policy experts to ensure that his plan uh, that Congress ends up taking on will make sure that it gets to his desk so he can finally fix the system. 
Later this afternoon, Director Cohn and Secretary Mnuchin will attend a listening session with business leaders uh, from the transportation sector. This is one of about a dozen listening sessions that we plan to hold uh, in the next couple months with job creators in different parts of the economy to hear about the reforms that would best allow them to thrive, expand, and create well-paying jobs for American workers. The Vice President is also meeting with legislators on the Hill today to discuss these next steps on all of the above policies. Elsewhere, uh, the President's Cabinet remains focused on acting his agenda in their departments and agencies. Secretary of Labor Acosta announced that the Department of Labor will strengthen its focus on preventing visa program abuse and take every available legal action against those who abuse the programs. This includes uh, reporting cases of criminal fraud to the Office of Inspector General, establishing a working group to coordinate the enforcement activities to maximize efficiency, using all tools in conducting civil investigations to enforce protection for the American worker provided by the visa programs, and developing proposed changes to the current system to a better, better identify violations and fraud and greater transparency. The uh, President obviously was elected on a promise to prioritize the American worker, and his entire team uh, here in the White House and throughout government is working hard in their respective areas to fulfill that. With that, I'd be glad to take a few questions. John. Uh, Sean, uh, moments ago, Mitch McConnell, who will be here in the next few minutes, uh, reiterated that he is not a fan of the President's tweets. We understand, and you've explained several times, that the President likes to have this conduit where he can talk directly to the American people. But does he sometimes cross the line where his tweets become the news, become the agenda, and it actually impedes his ability to get things done? Well, uh, in the context of your question, I think you helped answer it. The President is the most effective messenger on his agenda, and I think his use of social media, he now has a collective total of close to 110 million people across different platforms, gives him an opportunity to speak straight to the American people, which has proved to be a very, very effective tool. But using it and using it wisely can be two different things. Right, and I think the same people who are critiquing his use of it now critiqued it during the election, and it turned out pretty well for him then. Blake. Let me ask you about um, health care. Uh, you mentioned the meetings that are taking place. Senator Lindsey Graham said the other day that he, quote, he was asked whether or not there will be a, uh, Senate will be able to get a deal together. He said, I don't think there will be. Senator Burr said it's unlikely that we will get a health care deal. So are, are they just misinformed? Um, where, what's the difference between what Republican leadership in the White House is putting out and what some Republican senators are saying they don't think a deal is, is possible at some point this year? Well, this is an opportunity. I think today the President's going to talk about that uh, when he meets with the leadership. But uh, they're going to work their will, and I think they're all going to come together. These, by and large, every elected Republican in the House and the Senate campaigned on this for the last seven years. And I think that they, they will come together to make sure that they achieve the goals of lowering costs and providing greater access. But I know there's a commitment by the leadership and the committee chairs, and, uh, and we feel remain very hopeful that it's going to get done. Infrastructure, um, Chuck Schumer just a little while ago called the infrastructure plan an investment bank infrastructure plan, a Goldman Sachs plan. He said it is a sure loser here in Congress, his words. Um, are you guys willing to commit more than the $200 billion the federal government to potentially meet Democrats uh, whenever a bill comes forward to try to get that across the finish line? Well, look, I think the American worker and uh, our infrastructure are the President's priority in this, putting people back to work, establishing, um, fixing those roads and bridges that allow our economy to thrive and grow. He's talked, uh, the President, that is, has talked about the impact of 
you know, broken ridge, bridges and, and uh, bad roads have an impact on the economy and the people, the ability to people to deliver goods to market. Uh, so he's going to create that public-private partnership that ensures that we maximize dollars, uh, that we put people back to work and get, get things done. And you saw that yesterday in the air traffic control proposal they put forward where you had union support, um, you had bipartisan support because the president's approach at this is that of a businessman, of understanding how you can utilize that public-private partnership to maximize dollars, put people back to work, and not just transfer federal dollars to state dollars, um, which doesn't really do is have the same economic impact as really engaging the private sector in this. And let me ask you one question about tax reform. Jamie Dimon said today, quoting from him, the urgency for tax reform cannot be overstated. Here we are in the early phases of June. Again, nothing concrete at this point. Where is the urgency at this point from the administration? Well, again, that's a subject that's going to be discussed today uh, with the leadership. Uh, something the president has talked about, as I just mentioned, Secretary Mnuchin and Director Cohen have been out talking to industry groups. It's we haven't had comprehensive tax reform since 1986, so it is something that is is a big undertaking. Uh, when you're talking about the magnitude of this, both on the corporate side and on the individual side, um, and the impact that it's going to have on our economy and job creation, we need to get this right. We need to involve uh, stakeholders from a variety of of backgrounds to make sure that we get it right, and that's what the president and his team are doing. Uh, I want to talk to someone asked the other day where our Skype folks are. I just want to make sure David from uh, Fox 29 in Philadelphia. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time here. We really appreciate it here in Philadelphia and the greater Delaware Valley. We do have a question about uh, the president's budget proposal, specifically the proposal to eliminate the deductions for local and state taxes, property taxes. In New Jersey, folks reportedly pay the highest amount of property taxes in the nation. There was a Quinnipiac poll that said 57% of folks surveyed did not support the proposal to uh, get rid of those deductions. So the question is, what do you say to the folks who are worried they may take a major hit uh, Well, David, thank you for asking. I think if you look at the principles outlined, by Director Cohn and Secretary Mnuchin when they talked about the President's tax reform agenda. One of the principles was increasing the standard deduction. So for a uh, middle-income family, you're talking about a doubling of that to $24,000. Uh, we don't – we estimate that about 95 percent of the folks uh, that file now would not take individual deductions because of the increase, the large increase that would happen. Uh, most middle-income Americans would actually save more under the President's plan uh, because of the large increase that would exist with respect to uh, the standard deduction. Sean? Blake. Try. Sorry. Thanks, Sean. Uh, just moments ago, the U.S.-led coalition announced that they've struck pro-Assad regime forces in southern Syria. Has the president been briefed on this situation? He has. Uh, and a, a quick follow-up question on the president's tweets. Are President Trump's tweets considered official White House statements? Well, the president is the president of the United States, so they're considered official statements by the President of the United States. If I can follow up on that question, is President Trump at all concerned that his tweets could be used against him at the level of the Supreme Court uh, when the ACLU takes on this travel ban case? Well, I think we've made it clear with respect to that uh, that the court should follow the law. And I think uh, the danger is real, the law is clear, and there's no question that, that we should prevail at the Supreme Court. Amen. Thank you, Sean. Uh, can you tell, tell us where the President's going to be and what he's going to be doing on Thursday at 10 a.m.? Is he going to watch former Director Comey's uh, testimony up on Capitol Hill? Uh, the President's got a full day on Thursday. There's an infrastructure meeting with mayors and governors. 
to talk about what we just some of the the projects that need to get out of that public-private partnership that I just discussed. He's giving a speech uh, midday to the Faith and Freedom Coalition downtown. Uh, there's going to be a very busy day, as all of his days are. I, look, as I just said, the president's going to have a very very busy day, and uh, as he does all the time. And I think his focus is going to be on pursuing the agenda and the priorities that he was elected to do. Uh, I'm going to get to our second guy here, uh, Scott Hennon at KFYR in the Dakotas. Hi, Sean. Uh, good to talk with you. I host a radio show uh, here in, as you mentioned, North and South Dakota, Minnesota, Northern Plains, and have the blessing of talking to listeners uh, every day who are enormously frustrated right now with the way the Washington works. Uh, uh, like the president, they're not fond of the swamp. I'm curious if the infrastructure debate will be different. The president uh, focusing on that. Uh, our governor will be part of the governors uh, and mayors that are coming on Thursday. Does, does he believe infrastructure is more than roads and bridges, like uh, UAS and drones, autonomous vehicles, pipelines, broadband, flood protection, which is all creating jobs here right now. And will the infrastructure debate be better received there than the health care and tax, tax reform uh, debates have been so far? Might, might it be the, uh, the chance you have to begin draining the swamp? Well, thanks for the question. As you know, your governor will be here on Thursday with a variety of other governors and mayors to talk about infrastructure. That will be an opportunity for your governor to talk about the challenges uh, that you guys face in, in the Dakotas. I know in North Dakota alone there are several critical projects and both roads and bridges that need to get addressed, um, how the governor prioritizes them. But one of the issues that has been discussed with respect to the President's infrastructure plan is creating uh, different pools of projects that allow for innovation, allow for prioritization. Uh, and so that will be something that, again, uh, is in partnership with localities, with states, to figure out what their priorities are, what they can do to help raise the necessary funds, uh, and really do this in a businesslike, innovative way. Uh, so we've got a ways to go. Uh, Mara. The President signed a lot of letters of intent with the Saudis to buy American weapons. Have there been any actual contracts signed yet with Saudi Arabia, and if not, when will they? That's a great question. I think the Department of Defense was the lead on that. So there were two sides. We had about $110 billion of defense uh, procurement items that were military sales. Uh, with Saudi Arabia initially that was totaled up to $350 billion over the next couple of years. The immediate $110 million, I believe, were signed right then. I believe so. That's something that you should follow up with the Department of Defense. The totality of that could lead to about $350 billion over the next few years. And then there's another almost over $350 million on the commercial side that the Department of Commerce can probably provide you a better list uh, with that's separate. You're saying there are actual contracts right now. I, I don't. I, there were, there were uh, agreements with the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense took the lead on that. I don't know what was actually signed. Uh, I know that there were two pieces of this, as I mentioned, the defense side and the commercial side. Uh, you saw, at least through the pool, the, there was press in the room when the commercial side was done. I believe most of the defense stuff, the initial $110 billion of the 310, I believe, was, was up front and done. Sean. Sean. Um, I wanted to ask about the President's tweets this morning uh, on the Saudi-led isolation of Qatar. Uh, I had two questions. The first was the President seemed to be taking credit for the action, so I'm wondering if the White House actively encouraged sort of rupture among the Gulf states, and did the President or anybody in the administration speak to the Saudis before it happened about what was going to happen? Um, this issue is not new. It's been uh, there's been tension among Qatar's neighbors for quite some time, uh, and the situation was notified through proper diplomatic channels. 
the United States continues to be in close communication with all the parties to resolve the issues and restore cooperation, which is so important to regional security there. Uh, I think that there is note that his message of toughness on terror finance and extremism is being heeded by countries in the region. Uh, but the U.S. still wants to see this issue uh, de-escalated and resolved immediately, uh, keeping with the principles that the President laid out in terms of defeating and uh, terror financing and extremism. There's a lot of concerns in Qatar that the move, um, especially with the support from the President, is aimed at removing the Emir or his family from power. Um, considering that the President believes that the government there is financing terror groups, would regime change there be beneficial or detrimental? The, the President had a very, very constructive conversation with the Emir during his visit in Riyadh. Uh, at that time, he was very heartened by the Emir's commitment uh, to formally joining the Terrorist Financing Targeting Center uh, and showing their commitment to this to this issue. Major first. So, so you mentioned tax reform at the top. Mark Short had a little bit of trouble yesterday trying to resolve what the administration's position on revenue neutrality is. And the reason I raise this is Mick Mulvaney last week was quoted as saying, several folks in the White House have said they are interested in pushing a larger tax bill that would add to the deficit. That's Mick Mulvaney talking about the deliberations here about what this ultimate package would look like. Mark wasn't really sure yesterday about how to guide us through whether revenue neutrality is a key priority for the administration in the tax reform debate or not. Can you assist us? I think that, that part of that is because there's a discussion ongoing with Congress. Um, Director Mulvaney, Secretary Mnuchin and others, Gary Cohen, uh, are working with Congress to talk about the plan going forward. So uh, that's a conversation that, as I mentioned at the top, the President's going to have a conversation uh, in the next several minutes with uh, Senate, House and Senate leadership, and that will sure be a topic that they will discuss. So an increase in the deficit is something that the administration would find acceptable well, I think, tax reform. Well, I, I would put it more like this, that there is a conversation that is going to go on with Congress about how to proceed, uh, and it's not, at this time, I'm not going to get in front of that, that discussion. Okay. Uh, Sarah said yesterday in response to a question about who it was that changed the President's NATO speech, taking out the Article 5 language, she would check on that and get back to us. I know you didn't make that commitment, but she did. Can you give us a, a I, I don't, answer to that question? I don't have that. I don't know. So I will ask Sarah to follow up with you. Can you, can you confirm that that, in fact, is what happened? That I, there was one speech and a different one was prepared late in the process, and that speech did, in fact, take some of those who believe they were aware of the first speech by surprise. I think as we've commented before, the President's speech at the top talked about Article 5. Uh, we were at a NATO Article 5 uh, commemoration. The idea that we would recommit ourselves to something that we were clearly there to celebrate seems a bit silly, but I, I don't know about the contents of the speech. But I think, frankly, it's, it's a bit of a, of, of a silly discussion because, as we addressed at the time, the President's presence at an Article 5 commemoration uh, and his discussion about NATO invoking Article 5 for the first time ever after 9-11 pretty much speaks for itself in terms of our commitment to both NATO and all 13 articles that make up being part of that treaty. Would it be a silly exercise to find out exactly what happened? Well, I, I, again, there's a lot of things that happened. Significant reporting that there was one version and then another version was delivered. And I understand, but I, I, I would argue that there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes in terms of every speech 
uh, every meeting the president has in terms of preparation and until the president gets a version that he feels is appropriate on any number of subjects, it's not appropriate for us to, to go out there and share it. But uh, I will follow up with Sarah on that thing. But I think to the broader point is that the president can, remains entirely committed to NATO and to all of the articles, not just Article 5. Last question. How would you describe the president's level of confidence in the attorney general, Jeff said? I have not had a discussion with him about that. Okay, last time you said that, there, there was a development. I, I, I'm, just, I, you, I'm asking, I'm, I'm answering a question, which is I have not had that discussion with him. So you can't say there's confidence in the attorney general? I said I have not had a discussion with him on the question. I don't, if I haven't had a discussion with him about a subject, I tend not to speak about it. Sean, the uh, Chinese government rejected a call from the State Department to release three activists that were detained domestic in a sh Chinese shoe company and right. produced shoes for Ivanka Trump and others. Does the White House have any specific comment on these detentions? Does the President, does Ivanka Trump want to see people released? I think the State Department has made it very clear uh, the U.S. position on that will continue. Uh, to exert the proper diplomatic pressure on that. It's a State Department issue, and I would suggest that you follow them. Olivia, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. You wait. The London mayor is saying that the president should no longer come on a state visit there. Are there any plans at this point? I know he's been invited. He has. He has been. He appreciates point? Her Majesty's gracious invitation. Thank you, Sean. Uh, two on, on Afghanistan troops. Before the foreign trip, the president's first foreign trip, uh, senior officials were telling us that you guys would unveil the results of the Afghan review and the president's decision making after the foreign trip. Do you have a, a timeline for us? When can we expect this announcement? Uh, I think the president will continue to discuss that with uh, Secretary Mattis, General McMaster, and others. And when, when he uh, feels as though he's comfortable uh, with a plan that, that he wants to push forward, we'll let you know. And what does victory look like in Afghanistan? I think uh, a stable government, uh, us free from threats, and that's, again, I think we've commented on that before. Uh, we want to make sure that we root out uh, all forms of terrorism uh, and provide stability in the region. Dave. Sean, uh, yesterday there was the first case of a leaker in the U.S. administration being arrested. The Justice Department announced the charges, and it um, seems pretty clear from reading her social media posts that she is an opponent of the president and his policies. First of all, did, was the president made aware? Did he have a reaction to this arrest? I don't know, and as you guys know, on, with respect to all kind of ongoing investigations, we would never comment on an ongoing investigation. That being said, um, I think that you've heard the president very clearly talk about uh, the concern that he has about unauthorized disclosures of classified and sensitive information and the threat that they can pose to national security. So while I don't want to comment on any specific uh, case or allegation, I think it is important to note uh, that any disclosure of classified or sensitive information uh, can clearly threaten our national security. John. Thanks a lot, Sean. You have said on many occasions from the podium that the President's tweet speaks for itself. Uh, yesterday, in a series of tweets, the President faulted the Department of Justice for its defense of the President's executive order on immigration. Uh, given that he has uh, faulted the DOJ, does he also fault the person who leads the DOJ, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions? I think I've answered that question. But, but as John, John, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what, despite what you what you've said today, and what you Sarah John said, gives oh, you said John. Oh, sorry, sorry, John. Despite what you just said about the dispute in the Persian Gulf, it's clear the president is taking sides in this. Why? In in what way? He he said today on Twitter, all reference was pointed to Qatar. Perhaps this will be the beginning of the end to the horror of terrorism. Well, I think, as I, I, I mean, I commented on this. He's noting the message of toughness on terror financing. Um, 
No, that, that's not what I said. I, I, I think he had a very productive discussion with the Emir during his visit in Riyadh. He was very pleased uh, that they joined with the other Gulf nations uh, in their support of the Terror Financing Center uh, to, to root that out, and he's pleased with the movements he's taken. But uh, obviously he is very concerned about terror financing and stomping out ISIS and all forms of terrorism. John Gizzi. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Two questions. First, um, is the President comfortable with Robert Mueller as the special prosecutor, and does he believe that a president has the right to replace the special prosecutor if he or she exceeds his mandate in that position? Uh, I literally have not had that kind of conversation. I have not discussed that with the president. Right. My other question is this. On Sunday, the president put out a very forceful commemoration of the Battle of Midway 70 years ago. Uh, he did not know uh, anything about the 25th anniversary of Tiananmen Square in China, the uprising, the building of the Goddess of Liberty. Is there going to be any statement about the uh, the brave uprising in China of a quarter century ago? Right? I'll look into that, John, for you. With that, guys, I know the bike, the uh, House and Senate leadership are here, so thank you guys very much. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.